CBS Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast Weekend Edition. It is a Friday. If you're listening to us, we're listening to this, he said. Will Brinson here, Jason, lock and four on the line. We have no Nick, no Pete. We are taller and less tan today, Jason. How you doing? <laughs> that's, that's, rel- that's very relatively speaking. I think you may have said Weekend Edition, too. I don't know. We, well, people... Usually this is the Friday show, which means we're making picks and we're providing. Oh, uh, so that's right. What is today? Sorry, I keep thinking today's like Wednesday. Today's Thursday. So this is the one that drops on Saturday, I guess, or whatever. Friday, Friday morning. Yeah. So people will be listening to this. Um, right. Right, right, right. Maybe you're listening to this on the treadmill on um, Friday. Maybe you're like, thank God I can finally get through my workout without hearing Nick's voice. Um Maybe Nick will listen to the show and figure it out. Nick had to bail out for work reasons. Pete is at the Pro Bowl practice. No one gives flying crap about the Pro Bowl, yeah. so we're not going to bring Pete in. Instead, nope. we're going to play a game of quarterback roulette, your column up on CBSSports.com, predicting where I, – I, I, I mean, maybe I read maybe I read it already. I'm, I'm looking at it, it right now. It could be subconscious. Well, don't look at it now because that, that will spoil the yeah. spontaneity, well, Will. Well, so I was like – I was trying, I was like, man, I was like, it was just me and Jason. I was like, we, there's no, like, Super Bowl stuff. We don't want to do prop bets. It's too early for that. I was like – I was like, well, we, the coaches is boring. I was like, oh, I know. We can talk about quarterbacks and stuff like that. And then I went to CBSSports.com, and, and that popped up. There isn't a whole lot of news right now. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. I, I think this will be a quiet Super Bowl week, at least in the outset, because of the Patriots. Like, the Patriots have drama that surrounds yeah. them, but they don't make drama once they get there, like, yeah. do, et cetera, et cetera, right? They don't indulge in it. They don't, they don't uh, even Beat? really – concede that it exists so they're like drama atheists or agnostics it's, it's a good place to be i thought last year was that people kept I, I kept I kept having to qualify it but leading up to the falcons patriot it was the most boring if there was no because the falcons didn't give anything i think the eagles will be a little bit more inclined to um, they got some personalities. I mean, Chris Long, you know, is a great guy to talk to. And Malcolm Jenkins, um, you know, the Foles thing is, I guess, worth exploring. Um, yeah, the Patriots were good the one year. The only time the Patriots were good was the Deflategate year. Remember when Kraft came off the plane, guns a-blazing? Yeah. They had the first press conference, and he just hijacked it. Yeah, That, was, that was fun. I remember, because um, I was in Arizona, for Super Bowl yeah. 49, and I remember walking um, near our our setup at Radio Row because we had some sort of screw up, and I was down there to like check it out, like the, like how it was being built and all that. And um, I saw like our buddies, you know, the, the CBS Sports Radio 98. I think it was guys at 98.5, the sports hub. And I don't know if it was like maybe it was like Felger and Maz or something. I can't remember who it was that was there. One of those shows, and Dave Portnoy, who's the guy from Barstool Sports, was talking to them, and I overheard him. He was like. I know that Kravitz mother bleepers around here somewhere. I want to find that. Like, it's just like, it's just like you could tell there was like a, a, a there was an animosity coming from the Patriots. Yes. It's kind of fun. I mean, you, you don't want to play the Patriots when they're pissed off. 
No, no, you don't. And uh, you you pretty much don't ever want to play them in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, but they'll be at their corporate best for, for, for you know, for this week. And, I mean, who's new? I mean, there's not that many guys who this will be their first Super Bowl for them. I mean, right? I mean, Brandon Cooks, yeah. Gilmore, you know, Dwayne Allen, the guys who are part of their offseason. But otherwise... Gilmore, you know, see. it's it's been there, done that for what ninety percent of their roster, probably just off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean they were there last year. Um, do you? I think the, the, you mentioned Chris Long as a guy. I actually think Chris Long, because he was there with the Patriots last year, is a critical influence for the Eagles this year in terms of being prepared for this Super Bowl. Because you mentioned ninety percent of the Patriots have been there. Ninety percent of the Eagles probably haven't been there, right? I mean, including right. the coach, um, including the coaching staff. The owner has has overseen so you know a Super Bowl trip, uh, I think just one right. I don't think he he wasn't was he there he wasn't there in eighty right. No no just one. But yeah he's got yeah. the one Andy Reid. But I mean like for most of these guys, his first time, any concern that they might be overwhelmed by it? Um, I don't know about overwhelmed by it, but it's certainly I think a competitive advantage for the Patriots. I mean. So much of the stuff that you hear guys talk about after the fact, like, man, that week really got away from us. And, you know, I was kind of focused at practice, but I also was making, you know, didn't know what day all my family was coming in. And I was worried that I had enough tickets. And, you know, there's never, there's always some other person to try to take care of. And they've got agents and stuff who help with that. But I, I do think that there's a humongous mental advantage for the Patriots who, again, A, have been through this in most cases many times. B, fully expect they'll be back next year. You know what I mean? Like, they've just come to expect we're going to at least be in the championship game next year. So it's not like this, oh, we better have our video cameras everywhere, and oh, we better just sop this up because you don't know when you're coming back. Like, yeah, we're we're pretty much going to be back, if not next year, than the year after, you know, until Brady retires. And and then so they, they just have a different perspective. I think it is much more like a normal work week for them, only they're staying in a different hotel and the bus goes past some different stuff on the way there. But I, I, I just think for the other teams, it becomes this whole mental gymnastics of, you know, getting through the week and not it not being so normal and still getting your work in and still getting in your playbook and all that. Um these guys, it's not even it, – I don't think it even phases most of them anymore. Not that they're not excited by it and not that they don't want to win. Obviously, we know they're stone-cold assassins, but I think it's precisely because of that because they're able to just filter out all the BS and make it be as close to a normal work week as possible. And when you've got the smartest coaches preparing you for the biggest game and they've been through the ringer a million times, it tends to be an advantage. No, for sure. And I, look, I mean, I liken it – I mean, it's not – it's, it's obviously a lot different than covering a Super Bowl, but I mean, I remember being overwhelmed at my first Super Bowl, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you, and then it's like the same with the combine, like, or any any or anytime you drive around a, a neighborhood, like when you learn the roadmap for how you're going to drive somewhere, it becomes easier to drive and easier to navigate. The Patriots have had the roadmap laid out for them. A lot of these guys have been there twice already. Like, I mean, yeah. And, no, I'm saying this is most – I mean, I'd have to go study the roster, but I'm going to guess more than half that roster is going on a third Super Bowl appearance. Um, I'm doing the quick math. I think I saw like uh, – I mean, let's see. I mean, you got Solder. Yes. Tooney, no, but he was a rookie. 
David Andrews, no. Shaq Mason, no. But he, you know, drafted Cameron Fleming, yes. Rob Gronkowski, yes. Tom Brady, yes. Deion Lewis, uh, yes, right? Cause he yes. Was 14. James White, yes. In 2014. Yes. Danny yeah yes. He was there for two of them, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, defensively, Malcolm Brown drafted afterwards. Trey Flowers drafted afterwards, but had been to one. Uh, Landon Roberts, rookie Brown. last year. This would be, yeah, this would be two for Brown. Brown was 2015. Um, yeah, definitely maybe not, but I mean, you have guys like Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung. Um, and like you said, Gilmore is new. I mean, and again, you have Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia and Josh. Yes. I mean, it's not going to. Yeah, gonna... Van Noy would be what his second. I mean, but there's, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Harrison, this is how many for him? At least three. Oh, right. That's, yeah, I guess, yeah, true. First, I mean, Harrison was right. Yeah, I, I, that's a, there's a pretty good, you know, Slater on special teams, the kicker, the punter. You talk about the key guys, specialists and key depth guys and starters. This is, this is, you know, Again, just what they expect. You play in New England for more than a couple years, you expect to have won a Super Bowl or certainly played in multiple ones. And and uh, they just know how to handle all this and from the owner on down. So, yeah, I think it is um, – I think it's an advantage. All right. Well, we mentioned Nick Foles is one of the guys for the Eagles. Let's talk about – where he might end up next year. He is on the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to play quarterback roulette. I'll name a quarterback. Let's talk. We'll talk about the situation. You say, or do you want to do teams, or you don't want to do quarterbacks? Whatever. All right, let's do. Uh, well, I've already started the Nick Foles segue. So, do you think that Nick okay. Foles on the Eagles for 2018? I did not address him in this column because I was doing more guys who um, had expiring contracts, and he doesn't. Although I didn't exclusively do guys with expiring contracts because Smith and Tyrod have one year. Alex Smith and Tyrod have one year left in theirs. And so does I mean, Foles has got multiple years left on his. Boyd's That's after why, the second, I think. Yeah, I didn't include him. But I think he'll be traded. I mean, if, if he performs even admirably, halfway admirably in this game, as much as he'll be a valuable backup to them and, and will have proven his worth, I, just knowing Howie Roseman and knowing how much they gave up for Wentz and how much constant sort of tilling of that roster matters to them because they want to make this sustainable. Um, no one will ever make it as sustainable as New England, but but they want to be somewhere around that model. You know, I, I think there'll be a team or two that's left, um, you know, sort of unsure after you get through Breeze and Cousins and Smith and sort of the higher-end guys, Keenum. I guess, um, yeah, I, I could see him dealt, you know. I could see him dealt. Um, does Buffalo decide to go with him for a year? You know, he's going to, the thing about trading him is you know he's going to want a bigger contract, you know, because he's go, if he's going somewhere to be the starter. And I don't know what his price point would be. Um, you know, Arizona, you know, would Arizona make sense for him? You know, I could see that. I slid Sam Bradford there in the column I wrote, you know, and again, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking of Foles at the time um, because he's got term, you know, that much term left on his contract. But yeah, I don't see, I don't see him back there if there's trade value for him. You know, I, I, if you can get a meaningful pick, if you could get a three or something for him, um, I would see them doing that, projecting that three as a 10 year starter and thinking, you know, look, Carson Wentz is built like an ox, and we don't think he's going to get hurt for the long term again. And you go get a Josh McCown or somebody like that who, if he has to do what, what Foles did for three to five, six weeks, he can hold down the fort. 
Yeah. I mean, I think to me, that's the biggest concern with Foles. And I almost wonder, you know, you hear him talk about the, you know, the Rams situation. I mean, he didn't mention the Rams specifically, but pretty clear. You know, he's like, I almost retired yeah. when he was benched for Case Keenum and in that hellscape playing for Jeff Fisher after being traded from Philadelphia, you know, competing thoughts here, but yeah. I, I mean, certainly he would, he doesn't want to be put in a situation where he can't control his own destiny. Like you would much rather be in a situation where you're in charge, you're, you're starting, you know, you can affect your future with your play as opposed to being shipped out by Howie Rosen. But at the same time, maybe he's happy in Philadelphia. Maybe he wins a Super Bowl for the Eagles and he's like, sure, I'll go back up Carson Wentz. You know, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt, whatever. I'll, I mean, this is a good place to be. I like this team. Um, I, I mean, not to, I feel like there's a, he and Carson Wentz both have a, a, a lot of guys in the NFL have this, but a very religious angle. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like Foles could, Foles could be like, you know, don't deal me. Let's work out something longer. I'll, I'll stick around. I, I like this coaching staff. They've helped me out. Um, you mentioned Alex Smith, not an expiring contract, but it is the expectation that the Chiefs will go with Patrick Mahomes. Where does Alex Smith end up playing in 2018 they don't have to give him away i think there's a bit of a misconception that like oh they just got to get rid of him i don't i don't view this that way at all they could carry both those quarterbacks next year um would hardly be the craziest thing in the world goofball this goofball i don't even know what i don't, I don't even know what he thinks he hears you know what george does um, same stuff it drives, it drives, it drives me nuts dude there's nobody there man there's nobody there Hold on. here Doggy Picasso, you gonna do your business right there? Go ahead, get out of here. Straight, have fun. Go take a Prisco. Um, <laughs> George will George will see my um, uh, <laughs> George will see my like my computer, my MacBook like logo flashing in yeah. the window and bark at the bark outside the window for like yeah. Four. All right, it's brutal. Uh, you gotta you gotta love these crazy these crazy animals. Um. Look, I, I, but I do think ultimately there'll be enough value there based on how he played for them to trade him. I don't know if they're going to get two twos like they gave up for him um, a few years back when when Harbaugh decided to go with Kaepernick. Um, but if you know if it's a team that wants to extend him by a year or two, then it might be worth it to give up a fairly high draft pick for him. I, I projected him going to Cleveland. Um, they can't keep screwing up the young quarterbacks. You know, they just it, it can't it can't keep happening. And whomever they take at one isn't really going to be ready to play. And there's no reason to play him and have him come in with a weight of zero and sixteen and a coach who everybody knows could be fired by October, right? Why are you putting that on that kid's shoulders? This has got to be about finally having some quarterback there who you want to who, who ends up getting multiple contracts there. You know what I mean? Multiple real contracts there, and who mans that position for a decade or more. So who cares about September 2018 as it relates to that kid? We saw with how Alex Smith handled the Mahomes thing, even though he wasn't thrilled with it. He's a classy guy. You know, he gets that dynamic. And, you know, by all by all accounts, he did it with Kevin Mahomes. With Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, he was cool with Kaepernick. Yeah, and that way he lost that job because he got a concussion. Yeah. And then the, the kid came in and played well. So um, it's not ideal, but he gets it. He he could he, you know he immediately would make that team more competitive, and if you want to, again extend him by a year, you can. Um, if I'm John Dorsey and I look at all the picks they've wasted there over the years, if I'm gonna, it's be worth it to me to give up a two or a three to have a guy there. 
who I know is going to make sure, A, I have a professional quarterback room, which the only time they had that was, I mean, the Hoyer, the Hoyer Manziel year, the owner was pushing Manziel on them the whole time, so that dynamic was screwed. The, the year McCowan was there, he got right. He got killed like the first game of the year, and was pretty much getting maimed all year. I mean, they haven't had stability and a real veteran presence there, who plays through a year and brings the kid along. It's never really played out that way there. So, I think that dynamic alone would be key. Um, it makes sense for me. Now, you know, look, people are talking about him and the Broncos. Andy Reid's pretty conservative. I, don't, I do not see him trading Alex Smith within the division. Even with Denver being no great shakes, I just don't see that happening, you know. And then it's like, well, what contending team would make the move, you know? I mean, is Arizona really a contender, and, and do they want Alex Smith at 18 a year, you know? Or does if you get Sam Bradford on a budget deal, a one-year prove-it contract while they draft a quarterback. You know, does that make sense for them? Um, so my, my gut instinct is, having talked to some GMs and agents about this quarterback market at length last week, my gut is that Cleveland is in play. No, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense, and I agree with you on the on the on the, on the Broncos thing because if you give John Elway and now Andy Reid traded Donovan McNabb within the division. Previously, so I mean, you can't rule anything out. But he also knew McNabb was washed. McNabb was yes, and I don't yes. think he believes Alex Smith is washed. In fact, I think he probably knows that if he plugged Alex Smith in a lineup with a slightly improved offensive line, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel, yeah. C.J. Anderson, yeah. put that defense on the other side, then the Broncos yeah. might be the best team yeah. in the division all of a sudden. So I I agree with yeah. you. I don't I don't think he does that. Um, Cleveland makes sense. I thought it was really interesting, Joe Thomas. The left tackle for the Browns was uh, wrote a P, wrote a P, he defended uh, Hugh Jackson's record. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Joe. That's that's Joe's a look. It was it was a he, good he's a company guy. He's a, look. I mean, he's always said I don't want to be traded, and you know I want to be here for the turnaround. So I mean, he yeah, stuck it, to his guns in that regard. It was a compelling argument to for Hugh Jackson. I'm I'm not buying it, but it was a compelling argument. No, the more neither. interesting thing was when he went on. He did that ESPN car wash. Um, stuff and 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 uh, and he went on Golik and Wingo and he said he laid out a plan. I wrote about this yesterday. I, I love this plan. He laid out a plan for the Browns and it was draft, go in free agency and give Kirk Cousins all the money he wants if he makes it to free agency. And we'll, we'll go we'll use this as a as a trampoline for more Kirk Cousins talk. Then use your first two picks on Saquon Barkley and the best defensive player in the draft. Now I think you'd probably have to go somewhere like. Bradley Chubb one, Barkley four, or Barkley one, Minka Fitzpatrick four, something like that. Yeah. But that's not a crazy plan, right? I, and, I, and I, look, don't get, we, we talked about this on Wednesday. I don't think it'll happen. I think they will draft a quarterback. But I mean, you know, you could, you could conceivably go Josh Allen one or Josh Allen four and pair him with Kirk Cousins and let Allen spend two or three years developing, right? I mean, you could. I guess. How much better do you think Kirk Cousins is than Alex Smith? I know he's three years younger, right? Three and a half years younger, probably. He is not be- not much. He's not that much. He is not better than whatever the cost difference. You know. So you think of all the other starters you could add. Now I know you're not. Now you're not using one of those picks um, on a quarterback, so you're getting better that way. But. I don't think John Dorsey's looking at it. Like John Dorsey knows he can find football players in other rounds too, you know? 
So if I can solve the quarterback riddle and solve it exponentially cheaper and bring in Alex Smith, and so let's say they trade the first pick of the second round for Alex Smith. I mean, is that is that the end of the world? I don't I I don't think so. Um, then I I think you, I guess it just depends on how you want to manage your assets. Uh, I can tell you this: if Sashi Brown was still there, they'd be trying to move heaven and earth for Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure that Dorsey does that. I'm I'm not sure that with where this team is right now, you need to be paying a quarterback thirty million a year. I I I'd take Alex Smith at half of that. Well, and with the with the maneuverability from from year to year, if you think any of these quarterbacks are good enough to be ten year NFL starters, which I'm I'm gathering, you know, that that they will. And I mean, we can. I mean, the Cousins thing is, I think they're tagging him at some point. So you know, do you put together an offer sheet that you think they just absolutely can't match? Yeah, but then what are you kind of doing to your team in the in, in the meantime? I guess is the other question because in Europe you're going to have to live with that. And as you become a better team, those very sort of same poisonous pills, you can't truly do a poison pill like back in the day um, with, you know, Pete's boy Hutchinson, but you, you still have to kind of live through that yourself. I love Hutchinson's um, Twitter handle at it's like at poison pill. Yeah. Hutch is a funny guy. Um, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you from the perspective of if you sign Kirk Cousins, especially if you're Dorsey. And look, I mean, he he got ran out of KC when they're winning divisions and winning double-digit games per year. So he understands how this business works. And if you go out and you sign Kirk Cousins and the Browns are a flaming pile of crap next year and win two games with Kirk Cousins and a $30 million quarterback, you just put your job on the line. Um, if you go out and sign, if you go out and trade for Alex Smith on a, on a, on a two-year deal, and the Browns struggle, and you want to bench Alex Smith for the young quarterback you just drafted and chalk it up. I mean, like, it's a lot easier to sell that second scenario as, hey, you know, this guy played yeah. this terrible team. And I'm doing my best to build it back together. Jimmy, just hold on here. Um, yeah. From that perspective, it makes more sense. With Kirk Cousins in mind, where should Kirk Cousins go, and where do you think he'll go? Well, I, I do believe he'll be, you know, transitioned or franchised. I can't see them just letting him walk out into the market. Now, some GMs you talk to say, well, if you're going to lose him anyway, that's the smartest thing to do because at least you secure the third-round pick and then you could still try to match any offer. Once he gets out there, he's never coming back. They know it and the fans know it. And if you try to sell just letting him walk into somebody else's arms with no more contractual rights because, oh, but we're going to get a third-round pick in 2019, nobody – nope. I got news for you. That is not softening the blow. That is not making one more person think, yeah, I really do want to renew my season tickets with this rudderless ship. It's not happening, and they know that. So even if they transition them, now they're like, well, if you transition me, you lose him, you get nothing. Yeah, but if you transition them, you've at least tethered yourself to him, and you have control over the situation. If you want a match, you do. If it turns out that somebody's given him $50 million in year one, then you say to your fans, look, you know, did we handle this perfectly? No. But we reached a point where some other team was so willing to compromise themselves in a way that it doesn't make sense for us. So sorry we didn't bring the third-round pick in 2019 back. But, you know what I mean, that's all we were getting for them anyway. And at least this way you have the chance. And if, they, if it's something remotely reasonable, then you call the other team and say, yeah, we don't really love this, but I've got permission from the owner to do it, so we better work out a trade off the grid or we're just going to match this thing. Right. So wait, all right, let me – if you transition tag him, 
and a team signs up to an offer sheet, you don't get, you don't, I thought, I thought I was saying you got, you don't get any compensation. Is it no? Nope? So no. do, do you, okay. Does the, does the transition tag, if you lose somebody via transition tag, does the compensatory, does that factor into compensatory picks later? I don't believe so. Wow. So they conceivably. You made the decision not to match. Wow. Okay. But I mean, we're talking about a third round pick in 2019. I mean, no, it's no. not even close to fair value, you know? No. And if you look at how they've picked, I mean, by and large, if you look at 10 year study of Redskins third round picks, it's probably pretty scary. So, I mean, I don't think that's how you make a decision of this magnitude. You have to make the decision over money. The only way you're still really in the equation with the money is if you have the right to match. Because he doesn't have to give you the right to match as a UFA. And frankly, after the way this has gone down, why should he? Right. You know. So do you really want to have given him $44 million and then he walks and he controls the whole process? I think this is about control and about proving a point to a certain degree. So, all right, Kirk, let's see what the, let's, let's see what the, the, the market really bears. Let's see who's willing to put together the ultimate, you know, front-loaded content. The other thing is the Redskins have a decent amount of cap space and could create more. It's not like they're, um, like they're completely handcuffed. So we'll see. But the team who I think would be most inclined to put something together that would maybe give them pause about matching, to me, is the New York Football Jets. Hmm. Yeah. Keep your eye on that one. And that's, I, I heard it. I can't remember where it was. Um... I was reading something, some quote from Cousins where – oh, no, it was from Scott McLuhan, I think. Um, and McLuhan was basically talking – he's like, look, Kirk has done his homework. He knows what's out there. Do you think there's any possibility that Kirk Cousins, if he's not tagged, would go out into the free agent market and take less than the maximum amount that he needed to get in order to go play for a team like the Vikings? Uh – I mean, you got to be within. I mean, like, bro, we're talking. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about giving up forty million. I'm talking about giving up fifteen million. It's a lot of money. That's I mean, a, you're talking. I mean, so they're, I mean, they, I mean, they pay look, him twenty four a year instead of twenty eight or whatever. I mean, that's that's that. You do that over five years. That's twenty million bucks. I mean, I, I don't. I'll put it to you this way. I don't think this is going to be a team friendly contract, no matter how it's done at this point. I mean, the guy. You're talking about a third straight, you know, potential for a third straight franchise tag. He's already way, way up there. I mean, and look, maybe they just franchise him and say, we don't care about the extra six million bucks. We've already given him 44 for two. So we'll franchise him and we'll control it. And if, again, if somebody really loves him, come make a trade. To which I would say, no, don't do that. <laughs> just wait a year and sign him as an unrestricted free agent next year, you know, and then they get their comp, third round comp pick in 2020. And if they lose him after three years, they lose him. But at least by franchising him, they've now got his exclusivity, assuming it's the exclusive rights, until July 15th. And if it's less than the exclusive rights, then let's see if somebody wants to, you know, put together something and give us a couple first-rounders for you in the process. But teams, you know, are loath to do that. I mean, it's usually the money or the picks, you know what I mean? But you don't want to give up both. Right. You don't want to give up two first-round picks and then – And pay him $30 million a year. Like, that's – yeah, you like if, like if somebody like the Jets or the Browns was desperate for like just you're right, just wait. A wait and see how the draft goes. B wait a year and just get a like get pay cousin thirty million dollars in free agency without losing the picks. I mean, it's just it'd be stupid. Um, the picks are too valuable. Okay, who's the next quarterback? I need <laughs> Blake Bortles. Where does Blake Bortles end up next year? I put him uh, back in Jacksonville. I. I... 
you play well enough to keep that job? I mean, it doesn't matter what you and I think. It's what they think. All right, let me ask you. you, know, you remember, did you go back and look at what Shad Khan said before the playoffs started? Yeah. I, mean, not, I think part of that was pumping his tires up a little bit, but I think part of it was also them patting themselves on the back. Like, you know, we knew all along that this guy could get us to a Super Bowl or close to it. And with the way that team's constructed now, he can. And they still look at him as an ascending asset. So, you know, they've got to do that same calculus. Like, is, is I mean, look, I think Cousins is infinitely better than him, but they've got to sit there and you look at how that team's put together now. And you've got a lot of high-salary guys. You know, and I'm not saying that, you know, Bortles at 19 is cheap. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't pay it, but given – I also haven't – you know, I would have cut him two years ago. So, given where they are, you know, I would have cut him when I brought the coach in. But I, I don't see them walking off of him. And if they have him on the fifth-year option at 19, then it limits who else you're bringing in. You know, that's another one where I'm seeing if I could get – if I could get McCown or if I can get Bradford on a prove a contract as more of a security blanket to be my foals, you know what I mean? To be there if this kid stumbles, you know, reverts and starts bordering again. Um, I think they're more inclined to go that route. I, I, I mean, again, Drew Brees, I don't see them paying a 40-year-old quarterback $30 million a year or 28 a year or 25 or whatever it turns out to be. You know, I, just, I don't see that happening. Um, is there any chance? Is there any chance that Andy Reid and they play the Jaguars next year at home? Is there any chance Andy Reid would be willing to trade Alex Smith to the Jaguars? I, mean, I think they'd listen. You know, I think I think they'd listen. Pick is late in the round. That's I mean, the thing. So that's basically a third round pick. So even if they're offering multiple picks, I'll take that Cleveland pick. Let me hold the first pick of the second round, and maybe I trade down off of that, and I can get a little mini auction off of it. Or whatever, and I'm not saying that I know Dorsey would give that up for sure. Like I'm not, I don't know that. I'm not. I'm, gonna, I'm just sitting here, you know, guessing. Um, it's way too soon to know exactly what the compensation will end up being. You know, once we get to the combine and people start whispering in each other's ears, then you get a much better idea. But yeah, do I really want to play him? Trade him to Jacksonville, where he, he may come, he may end my season next year. You know, and I don't think they're looking to make a move of that magnitude. I, I really don't. If you trade for Alex Smith, then you then cut Blake Bortles. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what is the, would be the point of having both? So, I mean, yeah, you'd be cutting Bortles at that point. And, again, given where they are with him and with that, you know, the fifth-year option looming, I don't think they're going to pull that option for performance. You know what I mean? I know I understand when it was, you know, executed at the time it was picked up. It's guaranteed for injury only. But they've got the cap space to afford them, so then the argument you would be making is production. And wait a minute, the owner just came out two weeks ago and said how great he was. So that, that's, you know what I mean? And he won two playoff games after that. So he got pinched in week one. It's insane. And now they're going to pay him $19 million. I mean, he was, he, they, they, they were talking, they were going to cut him before the season. I would have, look, I would have cut him before I hired a coach last year. Well, and that, that's what I wondered. Does and Dan- they might be right. They might be. Look for how that team's built. He might be all they need. Did did, does, did Dave Caldwell? Does he have enough juice? I mean, he's a, he's a GM, but I mean, let's be real. Tom Coughlin's calling the shots there. Did, does did this team play well enough in 2017 and have the everything come together to the point that Dave Caldwell has the juice to to say, "Hey, Dave, Bortles is my guy"? Or I mean, is it you know? Does he? Sort I don't of- think this is really about Caldwell. I mean, this is what Tony Khan was invested in that pick. 
Yeah. God Khan was invested in that pick, and now Tom Coughlin is clearly at the top of the football operations totem pole. So, I mean, I, I think it, 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 it helps Dave Caldwell standing in that organization for sure, but if this decision is being – this is an ownership decision. I mean, this if, if you walk away from that kid, it's because the owner felt like he didn't want to give him $19 million and you could do better. You know, that that's that's coming from – that's an ownership decision. Well, in, in that Just regard, like they don't draft him that high, you know, when that, a lot of people didn't think he'd go in the first round at all if the owner wasn't 5,000% on board with that. Right. Well, in that same vein, along with Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, um, the name that gets bandied about for the uh, for the Jaguars is Eli Manning. Dave Gettleman, the, the Giants GM, has come out and said, hey, you know, we love Eli. Eli's our guy. But, yeah, Dave Gettleman – Dave Gettleman's pretty honest in regard to that sort of stuff, but I don't think that he would not listen if the Jaguars called and said, hey, we'll give you a second-round pick for Eli Manning. Um, oh, I do don't you, think they're ever getting a second-round pick. I mean, I don't, I don't think that don't would ever think happen. Even if, he's not hanging yeah. up. If they called and said, hey, we'll give you a fourth-round pick. Yeah, right? I just don't think they're going to call. I mean, because they got to sit there and say, well, how much better is Eli than Bortles right now? And we just – I mean, they didn't lose that game because of Blake Bortles. I mean, they lost that game because they got, they're going to sit there and they're going to self-scout. They're going to say, we got uber conservative. We didn't give him a chance to help finish them off. And our defense couldn't stop Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. So I don't know that they I mean, if Eli Manning plays that game, is the result markedly different? I mean, they probably they let him throw the ball more in the second half, but Eli throws a ton of picks. So, you know. I, I don't. I thought all along Jacksonville was the only real trade option to get anything more than a fifth or sixth. Maybe they could have got a four if Bortles Bortles his way to the end of that season. But he he, he you know he did Bortle for a few weeks and then he he, he got better and had a decent playoff run. He was fine in the playoffs. So as long as he's not turning it over, they're good. Eli turns it over. So. I don't you, see it. I don't see a trade match for Eli. Even if they went and shopped Eli right now, I don't think they get more than a five or a six. I, I just don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know who that team is that thinks we're two years of Eli Manning at nineteen a year away from from being there. I, well, I, Eli has a Eli has a no trade clause in the first place, and also, I mean, yeah, he's got to waive that, and I don't think he would waive that for too many places other than Jacksonville. They could. Man, they saved twelve million bucks off the cap if they cut or ten million bucks off the cap if they if they cut Eli uh, this off season. And I'm looking at post June one. Woo! They could save they could save a lot of they could save sixteen million dollars if they cut Eli designated post June one. I mean, they just not off the table, right? I'd be no. I look. They've told. I, I Dave Gettleman doesn't. Come I don't out. think they can afford to get cute with this now after already botching this a few weeks ago. You know, they're sending out the signal to the fans and to the media and to Eli that, You're you know, still- we're rolling with you this year. I don't I don't think they can now. Okay, so let me ask you that. With, with, given that, I mean, you mentioned this on Wednesday's show, but, I mean, the Giants still have to take a quarterback at two. They're basically, they're basically saying, hey, look, Eli, you've got 2018 – and then you're under contract for 2019. You're going to have to make a decision after this coming year about what what your what your future wants to be. We're probably going to draft a quarterback at two, right? I mean, like, oh, they're I, going to draft a quarterback. I mean, they're not they're not really. I mean, that's pretty wide, widely known. Whether it's at that two or whether they trade down and then do it, or whether it's at the top of the second round or whatever, they're they're trying to find a guy for the long haul. Um, 
And, and, I, and I, I mean, he, I think he gets that. I mean. Baker Mayfield would be interesting in Pat Sherman's absence. I don't see, I don't see the Giants going that route. I don't either. I don't, I didn't get them into Baker Mayfield. Or like, like even if Sherman completely fell in love with him, I don't see the owner taking that chance in that market with a loose cannon. God, awesome. They, they want to, I think Rose is the guy for them. They want to buttoned up, look the part, corporate, you know, just like, you know, like Eli, say the right thing, not, we don't need firestorms with the media, we don't need Rose grabbing, you know, like I just. Rose will like, he's like, uh, been like sort of honest in some of the, I think feel like Darnold, Darnold might be too meek for New York. Yeah. Mayfield's too, Mayfield's. In New York, feels like a disaster. I agree with it feels like a disaster, but it feels like an awesome disaster. Um, yeah, awesome for you, but not necessarily yeah, awesome for the awesome. team that takes him second overall. Awesome for my click count. Um, the and uh, have you watched any of Josh Allen at all? I mean, he's he's. Ah, uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit of what's going on there. He certainly seemed to have some nerves. Did you see that clip from the Senior Bowl where it's like he and Baker yes. the ten yard pass and he. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a gas can there. Um, okay. Other quarterbacks. We'll go through speed round really quickly. Actually, we'll just do the Vikings. What happens with the Vikings? Who's quarterbacking the Vikings? And where do Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, and Teddy Bridgewater go? Because they're all free agents. I mean, that's, that's another one to me where I, I know this doesn't get utilized that much. Um, but that would be another one for transition tag. Like, okay, we're going to hmm. – no, you know, this is, he, this is a bit of an anomaly. This has been a weird scenario, the way this has played out. Nobody saw it coming. There was no way to prepare for it. And so it's almost like half free agency, you know. Like, we're not – we can't just let him go out into the market because no. somebody may give him $65 million for three, you know what I mean, with 30 in the first year, and it's just like, ooh, and we, you know, and you could franchise him and and not let anybody else talk to him, and and that you know for twenty four. But if you transition him at twenty one, but then he doesn't feel hostage either, you know, because you you want to kind of respect what he went through and what he did, and so you're protecting your asset, at, at, you know, to a certain degree, but you're also giving him this window where like, hey man, you know, if somebody out there really thinks you're their guy for the next five years. And they want to give you a massive guarantee, then you know we could fall back on Bradford and we could fall back on Bridgewater. Not that they have them under contract right now, but you know what I mean. Go do your thing. Like well, you know, let's see how this plays out. We don't want you to feel like you know we complete. This was your shining moment and we squashed it. So if there's more than that, go ahead. Not, not that he's the kind of guy. Who, it's like the first year that Cousins got franchised. I suspect if he got franchised, he'd sign that tag in two point two seconds. That's um, you know, yeah. twenty million bucks. So I just don't think you let him go out there as a UFA if you don't have to. Um, Bradford, I think, is elsewhere. They they can't have a guy who's hurt all the time, and you can't just rely on Bridgewater after two years, not knowing where he is. And frankly, Teddy Bridgewater, at the height of his powers before he got hurt, never. He's not. I mean, he, he he's high, never he's, flashed. He's, he's never not. come close to flashing what what Keenum did for sixteen weeks. I mean, he, he's I mean, never moved a big boy offense like that. It's just, you know what I mean? It was Adrian Peterson three yards in a cloud of dust and throw short of the sticks and hope we get some yak. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. But I also think you have to take into effect, take into account the fact that Bridgewater has played under in Minnesota under multiple coordinators, whereas yes. 
just had success with Shermer. Now Shermer's gone to New York. Keenum can't go to New York, so you have to wonder, like, I mean, the Vikings don't have an offensive coordinator yet, do they? I don't, right? I mean, no, no, they're just starting to interview guys. No, I mean that that's it's it, look, they're they're in a pickle, and and I'll go back to what I wrote during their bye week when nobody was talking about Case Keenum, and I'm like, they better get this, sign this guy now. Like, have, I know the coach is coming out every week and talking up Zimmer because boy, they love Teddy, and I love Teddy. Everybody loves Teddy, so I get publicly they want to recognize Teddy's struggle and his return and all that. But Teddy's a huge question mark, and everybody in that locker room knows we're riding or dying with Keenum. This season's coming down to whether he can keep doing what he's doing or not because Bradford's not going to save us and Teddy's not going to save us. And then the guy went out and got him, you know, helped him win a playoff game, and I don't think he's the reason they lost that game. I mean, he, they, they got overwhelmed defensively, and their offensive line got destroyed by Schwartz's wide nine. I don't know that, because they're all freakish situations, Right. Yeah. Ridgewater, that's an anomaly. Bradford's an anomaly. I mean, week one, he looks all world. Last year, he was above functional, but he's always hurt. And then you've got Keenum, this crazy miracle season. I'll say this. What Keenum does with Thielen week in, week, in, week out, I can, I, that's not going away if he's there. And what he did with Diggs isn't going away. And what he did with Rudolph isn't going away. And I'm bringing Cook back. And I think I'm a Super Bowl team everywhere except I have no quarterbacks. I'll take a $21 million year, with one year, $21 million flyer that Keenum gets me back here next year. Okay. I like that. I, and look, I mean, if you, if you let Keenum hit free agency, I, I agree. I agree with you in that respect. He's not going to get out there and get no interest and just come crawling back to Minnesota. Like someone like John Elway or the, I mean, like someone. Well, that would be the team. Denver. I have Denver trading for Tyrod or just picking him up if he's caught. Denver, I think would be the team that would, would would look at him and look at what – I mean, ultimately they want to run Gary Kubiak's offense, right? I mean, I know Kubiak doesn't coach there anymore. He just sits next to John Elway 12 hours a day and helps him evaluate players. Like, you know what they want that offense to look like. And they see Case Keenum and say, ooh, that, he does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did. Just roll him out and let him throw – make these smart throws and don't turn the ball over. I mean, it's – He's an athletic, yeah. He he would make sense in that offense. I think he or Alex Smith would both take the Broncos and immediately make them a substantially more likely team to win that division than they are with Paxton Lynch or whoever else they they pair. Tyron Taylor would work too. You know, I mean, I think yeah, I, th- I think they go the the cheaper route and do Tyron because again, I don't think any I don't think Andy Reid's trading him to John Elway. I, just, I don't see that happening. I'm saying, and I'm then saying, if well, Keenum is transitioned, does Denver put together an offer sheet that makes them think twice? Absolutely. And and if Keenum's a free agent, I think Denver puts something nice in, in front of him. And and maybe it is too much for the Vikings to maybe you know, maybe it is too rich for their blood. And maybe they do just say, Well look, we, we feel we know we know Teddy's and I think Teddy's gonna be back there in one form or another. I just don't know that you could have all your eggs in that basket. Right. Uh no and, and, and with respect to Denver specifically, I think what they want and you're right, they got Gary Kubiak there, they want to run the Kubiak offense. Vance Joseph is the head coach, but sure. Okay. Um, you want a quarterback who's a little more athletic than he's given credit for and a guy who doesn't make mistakes and a guy who can make, you know, 75% of the throws you need him to make in that offense. Like, look, Matt Schaub led the leading league in passing in Gary Kubiak's offense. You just need a guy who can roll out, throw downfield with accuracy and not turn the ball over, a, you know, at an effective rate. 
and you have the formula to make that work. Peyton Manning made it work with that defense when he was on his last legs. Brock Osweiler made it work with that defense. So I agree with you from that perspective. Anybody else that uh, – oh, A.J. McCarron, unrestricted free agent. Where's he go? Well, if he's deemed an unrestricted free agent. You know, we've got a uh, – the, the, the ruling on that grievance comes down February 15th, I believe. Um, we'll find out if he's restricted or unrestricted. Um, I, I, I had him – I thought Miami might make some sense for him mm. if he's a UFA. I think they bring Tannehill back. In fact, knowing how much Adam Gase wants the Tannehill thing to work, you know, he ha- I'd be shocked if Tannehill's not back. But they need some younger – you know what I mean? It can't just be Matt Moore or whatever, you know? Like, it, it's it got to be somebody with some upside who you can cultivate along the way who, you know, a year from now maybe is the starter. Um, now, if he's a restricted free agent, you know, maybe they trade him. Um, but I don't see that happening with Cleveland. I think that was a prior regime thing. And Ryan Tannehill would thing. Kubiak's offense, too. What's that? Ryan Tannehill, What's that? Ryan Tannehill would work in Kubiak's offense as well. Yeah, no, I think he's back there next year. I mean, it's an affordable contract, and, and they've paid him money to rehab in the past. So I don't think they're sweating that in Miami. But I do think the dynamic of the backup has to change. It has to be more of a 1B than just a traditional old guy who we only use in case of emergency. And obviously it's not, Cutler's not going back there and that, you know, that didn't, that didn't work. So I think McCarron could be an interesting option there, like for them or Jacksonville, somebody like that. You know, I think it could make sense that to, um, you know, where you're still sort of hedging your bets, maybe a little bit long term to try to get a younger guy in the fold in a situation like that would make sense to me. All right, that's all I got. Anybody else uh, that stands out, Tyrod? Did we mention Tyrod? No, Breeze. I mean, I think he's back in New England. I mean, in New Orleans, three years, seventy-five to eighty million with the first two years guaranteed. Okay. There's that's no hometown discounts. I mean, it's yeah, top common. It's I mean, it's a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's a team that you know feels like it should be playing in the Super Bowl right now because, in large part, of that Hall of Fame quarterback. Also, the defense and other stuff. You know, feel like they felt like they had that game one. You know, probably think we could have beat. You know, we could have beat Nick Foles too. So, um, and and certainly, I think. Yeah, I I just, I see it. I just, you know, had they gone six and ten again, you know, then look, I, I, you know, they're drafting a guy and it's a reboot. But I, I just think where they are now and how close he's come and the chance to win two, there, I, I. I think they find a way to make it work. All right. There it is. Jason Lockenforo breaking down the quarterback market. A lot to unfold. This is, this is last year's free agency. What did we do? We sucked. Was it Sam? Well, I got news for you. This year's free agency outside of quarterbacks Sucks. is. Yeah. It's like Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Allen Robinson and Jarvis Landry, the wide Oh, receiver. dude, like the, 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 like the, the pass catchers are like. And these, you know. I mean, Landry's a slot guy. I mean, he's a nice receiver. What is he average? Nine yards a catch? I mean, yeah. He, then it's like Mike Wallace is like the next best guy. Yeah. You know, tight ends like Ben Watson, who's 36 and is probably going to retire. Like Ben Watson and Austin Safarian Jenkins. Like, those are like the interesting names at tight end. Like, it's – look, the cap's going up. Smart teams and even not-so-smart teams have just realized we might as well take, you know, take chances on our own guys. And – the number of players, the number of decent players in their mid to late 20s 
who hit the market now, well, then when you factor in the franchise tag too, and trades is just it's just lower and lower and lower and lower. Your answers are not going to be an unrestricted free agency. Like even at running back, it's like Le'Veon Bell could hit the free agency. He's market. not hitting the market. He's never hitting the market. Exactly. Yeah, they're going to tag him. Um, Deion Lewis, I would venture that he is going to take less money to stay with New England and keep winning titles. Um, Jared McKinnon is out there, says he wants to be the guy. Alfred Marsh, Frank Gore, Rex Burkhead. What are we talking about here? Adrian Peterson again or whatever? Yeah, yeah. technically Adrian Peterson would still be a free agent, I believe. Um, Sammy Watkins, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Marquise. I mean, two of the Jaguars pass catchers are free agents like that. No, but those guys did nothing. I mean, those you're talking about guys who – now, maybe they get more money because the market stinks so bad, but those are guys who should be on proven contracts. Yeah. You know, and even Watkins. I mean, maybe they will franchise Watkins. I mean, I, I wouldn't, but they gave up a fair amount for him. Like, I don't know that Watkins necessarily hits the market. Yeah. Uh, the offensive linemen, Nate Solder, Justin Pugh, Cameron Fleming, um, you have Andrew Norwell, Weston Richburg, Jack Muhord. I mean, these are young guys who could – you could, like, see – Yeah. Last no, year. but I mean, people in free agency, like, they don't, they're not, you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about sexy, moving the meter, you know what I mean? What fans are getting into. It's all fantasy football and gambling, right? I mean, who are we kidding? Like, that's not, you know what I mean? So it's like, you're looking for skill guys, you know? I mean, yeah. and even on the, you're not talking about center slash guards, you know? Yeah, now, I get it. That There's still some things not- to be done in that regard from a team building standpoint, but when you try to compare it to, well, this hot stove league has just been terrible. I mean, it really hasn't even started yet in baseball. But, the, you know, the flurry around the NBA and the NHL when the market opens and, you know, it's stars going from one team to the other, it's just it's not happening here. I mean, pass rushers, forget about it, right? People are still trying to get DeMarcus Ware out of retirement or whatever. I mean, there's nothing there, you know? It's, it's, be, it, hey, you know what? I don't care. I'm fine with boring free agency. It makes it – I mean, like – Oh, no, I'm not complaining. I mean – it is what it is, but it's it's you know it's it's not going to be um, it's not going to be particularly sexy this year either. But again, at least outside of this quarterback position, where that it's unprecedented to be able to put together a list of you know eleven viable names. I mean, we didn't even talk about Garoppolo because there's no way they're letting him go anywhere. But they but they still at least have to do something. There has to be a transaction, you know what I mean, associated with all these guys. I mean. They don't have to trade Tyrod and Alex, but, I mean, come on, they're probably going to. You know what I mean? Like, to have 11 to 12 quarterbacks of note involved in some off-season transaction between February 20th when you can start applying the franchise and transition tags, you know, until, like, March 15th, where now we're a week into free agency, you know what I mean, and all the dust has pretty much been settled. That's crazy. I don't recall a year like that ever. I mean, how many? I, I mentioned 10 names. Then there's, you mentioned somebody I left off. There's a dozen big-name quarterbacks who are going to move around. So from that perspective. Oh, Foles, right? So I, I wrote about 10, and then I didn't mention Foles, and I, I didn't really mention Bridgewater. So that's 12. That's that's a, a dozen quarterbacks of note in a 32-team league. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. All right, it's going to be and fun. Plus, and, and then five kids are about to be drafted in the first round, right? So that's 17 quarterbacks, 17 significant quarterback transactions between February 20th and whatever, April 27th, whatever the first day of the draft is. Sure. Yeah, it's April 26th, I think, is the first day of the draft. Yeah. 
I bet that we will revisit this subject again, but an excellent primer. You can check it out on CBSSports.com. Jason Lockenfora on Twitter, at Jason Lockenfora. I'm at Will Brinson, at Pick6Pod. I should have told you at the beginning that you can subscribe via iTunes, but that's okay. Check it out. Leave a review. You can even say, this is the best show I've heard in weeks because there was no Pete and no Nick. We won't be offended. Um, Thanks for listening as always. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon.